Thanks, Wyatt. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Thank you. Oh, man. Bridge Youth, how are we feeling tonight? My name's, my name's Wyatt Staggers. I will be, I'm just kidding. That's not my actual voice. Too soon, right? Too soon. No, but my name's Wyatt. I am absolutely stoked to be preaching to you guys tonight. Although it was last minute, um, just like what Pastor Amber was saying, it wasn't last minute to God. So at the end of the day, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly who was um, going to be able to be available. And here's the thing. If you ever want to be in ministry and you ever want to preach, let me just give you some word of advice from somebody who's been doing it for going on six years now. Always be willing to say yes, even if that means it's last minute, because literally this was a last minute thing. But again, like I said to God, it wasn't a last minute thing. So even though I had to go throughout my day, forgetting that I was speaking and then remembering it again, there is still something that God wants to do tonight. And so if you're looking to be in ministry at any point in the future, you got to have a few messages just ready to go. You got to have a few moments, a few words, a few, a few scriptures in mind because you never know exactly when God is going to call upon you. And when he does, do not be afraid to say yes. Amen? So like I said before, my name is Wyatt. I am one of you guys' youth leaders here. I lead a high school connect group. I absolutely love each and every one of you guys and girls. And I'm just, again, very excited to be here with you guys tonight. I mean, I'm always here on a Wednesday, but to be up on here on the stage, being able to preach to you guys, uh, whether it's you guys' first time, whether it is, uh, you know, home that you call the bridge, we like to greet all of our first time guests by saying that we are here to build you up, not so whether you're here in person, whether you're online watching at home in your pajamas, whatever it may be, we are just so happy and so excited to have you here with us tonight. I want to share really quick a story, and I think it gave me some ideas for the future. Long story short, last Thursday, I went to Disneyland. Anybody love Disneyland? Come on now. Now, here's the thing. I, I, am, I am by no means a Disney adult. Anybody know what that means? Like those people who are 30, I'm not 30, but those people who are like, you know, in their mid-20s to like 40s, and they cry every single time that they see Mickey. You know what I mean? Like those people who go to, who go to Disneyland, and they're like, oh my gosh, dude, these pretzels are so good. It cost me $12, but it's just so magical. You know, it's so awesome. I am definitely not one of those people. But when we went on Thursday, we went from 10 a.m. to 12 o'clock at night. We stayed all day. And afterwards... We were trying to figure out, okay, where are we going to go eat, right? Because automatically you're trying to think, okay, what's open late? So, of course, we picked the most holy place ever, in and out Oh, my gosh, dude. in and out at 12 o'clock at night. I know you guys are all like, you know, you're not 18, but when you do turn 18 and when you guys can drive, go to in and out at like 12 o'clock, and it just tastes different. So we went to in and out and um, we're all delusional at this point. I'm a, I'm a little sunscreen, uh, sunscreen, oh, I'm still delusional apparently. I'm a little, I'm a little sunscreen. Um, I'm, I'm a little sunburnt at this time, right? I was out in the sun the whole day. I'm already tired. I'm starving. My feet are like, dude, what are you still doing standing right now? So we get to In-N-Out. I order my usual and we go and sit down. Isaiah Vega is there. 
we all sit down at the table. <laughs> and this is a word for somebody, right? You, sometimes you just have to ask, right? One of the, there's a verse in the Bible that I try to live by. You have not because you ask not. Come on, somebody. And Isaiah took this literally. Because what he did was that he ordered his food. And then after he paid, he was like, it doesn't hurt to ask, but can I get a free milkshake? And the guy's reaction was, oh, yeah, sure, I guess. And so, so he comes back to the table and he tells us this. And he's like, dude, I just got a free milkshake. And I was like, how did you do that? And he's like, I just asked. And I'm like, you just asked? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I just asked if I can get a free milkshake. And the guy was like, I, I guess. So I'm like, well, what flavor did you get? And he was like, I didn't tell him. I'm like, what if it's a flavor that you don't like? And he's like, I, I, you know, I don't know. And so we get there. I get my food. He gets his food. <laughs> and he tells the guy, he's like, the guy who's giving us the food, he's like, oh, yeah, I have a milkshake on the way. And the cashier who took his order, who gave him a free milkshake, gave him, like, the most, like, like death stare. He was like, he was like, dude, like, don't say that out loud. <laughs> like, I did not say that. I did not do that. So on the side, in between taking orders, this guy goes, of course, he gets a vanilla milkshake. How many of you guys, you're just not about vanilla? I'll just be real, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chocolate shake type of guy. Come on now. If you're ever at In-N-Out and you want to shake, get a half chocolate, half vanilla shake, and God is good. Come on now. Dip your fries in it. Dip, dip your cheeseburger in it, guys. Try it out. Um, hey, come on. Um, so, so Isaiah got a free milkshake all because he asked. So all I can say is next time you're at In-N-Out, just ask them, can I get a free milkshake? And see what happens. Speaking of asking, let's get into God's word. Come on now. Um, we're we're going to be following along the same lines as the series that we're in, which is, I don't want to talk about it. Somebody say, I don't want to talk about it. I just don't, right? You had, a, you had a tough day at school. Your mom asks you, how was today? And you're like, I don't want to talk about it at all. That's the series that we're in tonight. We're going to be continuing within that same thought. And we're going to be going through two different stories. Somebody say, ooh. We're going to go through two different stories in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the very first half of the Bible. And we're going to be in two separate books. One of them is going to be in Daniel chapter 6. The other one is going to be in 1 Kings 19. And we're going to be connecting both of the stories throughout this message. So the very first story that we're going to be going through, like I said, is going to be in Daniel chapter 6 verses 13 through 17. And then we're going to be going through 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 4, and then dropping down to verses 8 and 9. So can we all stand within the honor of the reading of God's word? Let's go through these verses, and this is how it starts. In Daniel chapter 6, starting off in verse 13. It says, then they told the king that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. 
In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. And then let's drop over to 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 4 and then going down to verses 8 through 9 which says this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then let's drop. Actually, no, we're going to be continuing in verse 4. Then he went on alone. Somebody say alone. Somebody say alone. He went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then let's drop down to verses 8 and 9. It says, so he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have planned over this message, Lord. I pray, God, that I would get out of your way and have you speak through me, God, that every single verse, every single word that I say would not be my words, but that it would be your words, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for tonight, and we thank you, God, for all that you have planned for us. In Jesus' name, everybody can say amen, amen. amen. All right, you guys may sit down, but I have a quick question for you as you guys are sitting down. How many of us, let's just be real, you can admit that you're afraid of the dark, right? The dark is still scary. Now, here's the thing. Have any of you ever been left home alone, right? Wow, somebody's super excited about that. Yes, all the time. Um, So when you're home alone, at least, you know, even even in my adulthood, there's something about being home alone that kind of feels a little bit cool, right? You can play music loud. You can uh, do really whatever you want for the most part, right? It feels feels kind of cool, but have you ever been home alone and your parents are getting home late and you're home alone at night? Isn't it so much, is it more different? Is that the right phrasing of it? So much more different? Isn't it more different? Isn't it different? Come on. Um, it's so different compared to when it's light out and when it's dark out. Like there's something about the dark that just makes everything scary. There have been times in my life where I wake up at like 2, 3 a.m. and you're thirsty. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like this sort of like dehydrated thirsty. That, that feeling that like you can drink a gallon of water right now and it's still not enough, right? There's been times where I have gotten out of my room, I open up the door, I look down the hall, pitch black. I look down this way, pitch black. And then I have to contemplate to myself, is it worth it? 
do I want to go out into utter darkness and try to find my way down the stairs to get to the kitchen and get some water? There have been some times where I'm like, I'm good. You know, if it's my time to go, it's just God's will at that point, right? There have been times where I will not go out of my room, at least when I was younger, because it was so dark, right? This was not like your ordinary, everyday darkness. This was advanced darkness. This was something that was like you can't even see right in front of you. And isn't it true that things hurt more in the dark? What I mean by that is, is have you ever been walking down the hall and you step on a Lego? But have you ever stepped on a Lego when it was pitch black? You feel like you've just been shot within that moment, right? I don't know what they make these Lego pieces out of. It's, if it's like vibranium, if it's like the most, you know, hardened, indestructible plastic ever. But these things just don't break. They break you before you can ever break them. There's something, oh, wow, that's a word. Um, there is something about stepping on a Lego in the dark that makes it so much worse. But have you ever stubbed your toe in the dark? Like, when this is your foot and you have like your pinky toe and your pinky toe, and your pinky toe decides to make like a, like a 90 degree angle and then snap right back, I will fall to the floor and like grab my foot as if it's about to fall off. Because it hurts so bad. Again, it hurts in like, in like the, the daylight when it's, when it's a normal day, but in the dark, there's something about like not seeing it coming that it just hurts so much more. And why is it that the dishwasher in the middle of the day is a dishwasher, but at night it's some like demogorgon, right? It's some like crazy monster that like, that like just takes you off of your feet and makes you run the opposite direction. Why does the dishwasher have to be so aggressive in the middle of the night? Why is that, right? That's a word for somebody. I feel, I'm just kidding. Um, but there's something about the dark that just makes things so much more scary. And the first thing that I think about when I think about the dark are caves. There was one time when I was younger, my parents and I and my brother, we were all driving on like a family road trip. I forgot where we were going, but we stopped off at like this hiking trail. And within the trail, there were these like cave expeditions happening. And I remember the first, the, the moment that I heard caves, Immediately, I thought bears. I thought wild animals. I thought, I do not want to go in there because I have no idea what is inside of that cave waiting to hunt me down and find me, right? So even as a little kid, I was like, I do not want to go into this cave because caves are just naturally more scary, right? Because they're dark. You don't know what's in them. Noises are so much, uh, are, are, are louder within the caves. It's almost like in the TV shows and the movies where you hear like the water drop and you hear it all throughout the cave. There's something about being in a cave that is just so much more scary. And here's the reality. The thing that we're going to be talking about tonight is mental health. And that's a subject that not a lot of people want to talk about. It's a subject that's not really talked about much. It's, it's referred to, it's discussed here and there. You might have a question about it, you might be asked about it, but it's really a conversation that you're like, I, I don't really want to talk about it, right? It's that moment where that person is like, how are you doing? And you're like, ah, right? As soon as you start with, ah, you, you're, you're not doing good, right? You're, you're, you're already hurt at this point. But as soon as you hit them with, ah, you know, I'm doing good, and then they hit you with this, 
how are you really doing? That just hits different, right? My heart's pounding right now just from saying that, right? Why does that hit so much more different? And I think it's because it's a subject that we don't really want to talk about because maybe we don't really know a whole lot about it. We can't really explain it. It's our feelings. It's our emotions. Our, is this real? Is this not? And the way that I think about these emotions and anxiety and depression and maybe your mental health isn't even one of those things. Maybe your mental health issue is the way that you see yourself. Maybe your mental health issue is an insecurity about who you are. Maybe your mental health issue is your anger or your rage or your rejection or your disappointment or an expectation that's been placed on you. Or maybe your mental health issue is something that somebody said to you years ago and it can still hurt you to this day. Because the reality is, is that we all have caves inside of our minds and inside of our uh, mental space that we oftentimes are either pushed to or we run to willingly. Because what's a cave? A cave is not on the surface, right? A cave is dark. There's, there's things that are scary inside of a cave. Um, you have to go into it. You can get lost in it. It's dark. Things are louder inside of a cave. And isn't it so true that when you are in your lowest points, when you're going through your anxiety attack, when you're going through that moment, when you find yourself in the darkness of your mind, isn't it so true that the things that people tell you are so much louder in those moments? Isn't it crazy how when you find yourself within that time, it's almost like this is my safe space. This is where I want to be at because there's only one way in and there's one way out. And so many times we can find ourselves within these moments and we can get stuck in them. The same way that we can get stuck inside of a cave or the same way that life can push us into this direction. It can push us towards our cave. It can push us towards this place where we feel like we're trapped, where we feel like we're worthless, where we feel like the lies of the enemy are so much louder and so much greater, or it's something that we willingly run to. The title for tonight's message, since I haven't gotten to that point yet, is Sunken Place. Sunken Place. And the whole idea behind that title, and the reason why I titled it that, is because there's a movie called Get Out. And within this movie, the main character's name is Chris. And what happens to Chris is that he gets essentially hypnotized so that whenever this other character stirs a teacup, that sound will send Chris into what's called the sunken place. And it's crazy because in the movie, it shows you what it looks like with Chris being in the sunken place. He falls back into this dark void. He's falling through this darkness. He's not able to get back. He's not able to help himself. He's trapped within this moment. And it's so interesting because the thing that he's looking at is a TV screen of his life playing out and he cannot do anything about it. I wonder how many times we find ourselves in our own sunken place. I wonder how many times throughout the day we can be triggered by something that somebody said, by a word, by a voice, by a memory, by a rejection, by a moment, by the way that we see ourselves, and it can send us to this place that's known as our own sunken place, our own cave, our own den, and all we can do is just float there, and we cannot get out, and we can just watch our lives being played out. And here's the thing. The scary thing about our cave is that it's so easy to hide in it. It's so easy for us to come into church, to come into youth group, 
to have a full-length conversation with somebody and, them for, and, and, and for them to have no idea what it is that you're going through. Because you're just going through the motions at that point. You're just saying, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'll lift my hands during worship. Yeah, I'll pray. I'll take notes during the message. But nobody knows that you are trapped inside of your cave. Nobody knows that you are trapped inside of this sunken place. Nobody knows that you are trapped inside of this moment where the lies are louder, where the things that are going on hit you so much more different. And it's so crazy how many of us find ourselves in those moments and we just feel trapped. And so tonight what I want to do, I'm not going to be talking about anything that's like, super theological or super mind-blowing because I believe that when we find ourselves in our own sunken place, when we find ourselves in those anxiety moments, when we find ourselves in those places where we feel hopeless, how many of us know that when we are in those places, the lies of the enemy are so much louder? They speak volumes. Isn't it crazy how many times we can convince ourselves of something just because we keep on telling ourselves that over and over and over again? I tried this before when I, was, when I was just thinking about this message. I thought to myself, I'm sick. And I started to think about that, right? I'm sick. I don't, well, I, I don't really feel so good. I started like fake coughing. I started like fake sniffling. And lo and behold, after like a minute or two, I actually started to feel sick. And I think when we find ourselves in our sunken place, we do that so many times that we convince ourselves that the lies of the enemy are actually true over our lives. And then we find ourselves stuck within that moment because we've convinced ourselves so many times that I'm a failure, that I'm worthless, that, I, that, that there is no plan, there is no purpose over my life. Man, what am I doing? I'm such an idiot. I'm so dumb. I'm so stupid. And we've told ourselves that so many times that that now becomes a part of our identity. And I feel like throughout tonight, all I want to do is just give you simple truths because in the moment where there are just lies being thrown your way, the only thing that speaks louder than a lie is the truth from God. The only thing that can pierce through the darkness is the light that Jesus has for you. Because here's the thing, is that God's truth speaks louder and Jesus shines brighter in the dark. Because when we find ourselves within those moments, we can convince ourselves of all types of things. We can hear all types of things. We can replay and rewind all of the moments throughout our lives that brought us to that point. And all of a sudden, like I said, that becomes a part of our identity. But tonight, I feel like people are going to step out of their cave. I feel like tonight, people are going to step out of their den. Whether you were pushed, whether you were triggered to go into your cave, or you were pushed into your den, whatever situation you find yourself in, God wants to free you tonight. God wants to do some things inside of your life tonight. And hey, I understand that this message may not hit everybody the same, but that's okay. Because either you're going through it right now, or you're going to need it in the future. Because I think as we know, throughout 2020, us being isolated has done so much to our own mental health. It's done so much to our own emotional and spiritual standpoint to the point where uh, students who are in fifth and fourth grade are now having anxiety attacks. Students who are, who are um, you know, in elementary school are having issues of self-image and who they are and who they want to be and being good enough and planning for their future because the whole world is trying to tell you, you have to be like this to be successful. You have to fit into this mold in order to be something in life. But here's the thing. 
God can use you exactly as you are. God can do a work in you exactly as you are. God is not trying to fit you into this mold. God is trying to mold you into his image and into his truth. I'm getting off on a tangent. Anyways, let's go into, let's go into the points tonight. Let's talk about the truth from these two stories, from Daniel in the lion's den and from Elijah running away from Jezebel towards the Mount of Sinai. So the very first point for us tonight, if you're taking notes, is God is for you. If you find yourself in your dark place, in your cave, in your den, in your sunken place, I want you to know and I want to remind you that God is for you. Because here's the thing, before Daniel was pushed into the lion's den, God was for him. Before Elijah ran willingly towards Mount Sinai, God was for him. And guess what? Even while Daniel was in the lion's den, even while Elijah was in the cave, God was still for them. Because them being in a cave, them being in a dark place, them being within their sunken place did not determine whether or not God was going to be for them. He already predecided and predestined that I am going to be for you. If you're in a good season, I'm going to be for you. If you're in a bad season, I'm going to be for you. If you're doing what I want you to do, I'm going to be for you. If you're running away in the opposite direction, I'm going to be for you. Because when God is for you, who can be against you? And when God is for you, even in the midst of your darkest place, even in the midst of your sunken place, there is no lie, there is no voice, there is no moment that can stop God from using your life. Why? Because he is for you. He is not against you. There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. And that's the same whether you're in your dark place or whether you're out of your cave. No matter what season of life you're in, God already decided that he's going to be for you. But how many times do we find ourselves within that place and we think, well, God doesn't love me. I mean, clearly, if God, if God loved me, I wouldn't be here in the first place. Well, if God was for me, if he really cared about me, if he really had a plan and a future for my life, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in this moment. I wouldn't be going through this darkness. Because what? Your struggle does not determine whether or not God is for you. Your situation, your anxiety, your mental health does not determine whether or not God is for you. And can I just let you know, as a 27-year-old who has gone through life, I am so grateful that that is the truth. Because there's been some moments inside of my life that I felt like, well, God can't use me now, right? Well, well God can't possibly get me out of this situation, right? Well, there's no way that God's going to love me the same after this. Well, there's no way that, that I'm ever going to be able to, to walk in God's purpose and walk in God's plan after this moment. But even when I was in the midst of those moments, God was still for me. He was not against me. He was not my enemy. In fact, he was actively fighting against my enemy, which is the devil. Because here's the thing. The devil wants to tell you. He wants to lie to you. The devil is the father and the creator of all lies. He wants to tell you, again, really? Wait, wait, didn't you, weren't you at Bridge Youth and weren't you at the altar during that one message? And didn't you pray that God would heal you from your anxiety? And, and man, look at you now. Wait, 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 didn't you already bring that to God? Didn't you already pray about that? 
Didn't you already tell him, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. And he still hasn't answered your prayer. Wow. Well, I guess you, I guess you really can't trust him, right? I, I guess you really can't believe what it is that God tries to tell you. But yet it's within those moments that God wants to come in and he wants to say, no, 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 because I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. And, and, and after that point, it doesn't say, says somebody else, right? Somebody in your life says your dad, says your mom, says the world. It says, says the Lord. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. They are not plans to destroy you. They are not plans to let you go. They are plans to give you exactly what he made you to be. In fact, there's a verse inside of Daniel chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 22. Daniel's in the midst of the lion's den. Man, I wonder what type of night that was. Could you imagine being thrown into the lion's den? Spoiler alert, Daniel survives, but he's got to spend the night inside of this lion's den. And this is what Daniel says when he's freed. In verse 22, it says, My God sent his angels to shut the mouths Shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Here's the, here's the truth. Anxiety has a voice. Depression has a voice. Insecurity has a voice. Anger, rage, jealousy, envy, lust, all of those things have a voice. And when you're in the midst of your sunken place, when you're in the midst of your cave, those voices can sound so loud. They can sound like they're surrounding you. They can sound like as if that's the only voice that you can hear. But in Daniel chapter 22, it says that God sent his angels. A lot of times what theologians believe is that whenever an angel is mentioned inside of the Old Testament, they're actually talking about Jesus. So essentially what happened is that Jesus, pre-New Testament, before he was on the earth in a physical uh, body, he came down into the lion's den with Daniel and he shut every single one of the mouths of the lions. He shut every single one of the lies down. And I wonder how he did it. Did he use a rope? Did he use chains? Like how, how exactly did Jesus do that within that moment? And I think what Jesus did was that he just spoke his truth over the situation. He spoke himself, his word, over the situation to shut every single one of the mouths out. And I believe that that's exactly what God wants to do when you're in the midst of your den, when you're in the midst of that cave, when you're in the midst of your sunken place, and all of the lies of the enemy, all of the lions are shouting out lies to you, are roaring, are trying to devour you with their words, and all of a sudden God wants to come down, meet you exactly where you are, and say, I got this. I'm right here with you. I will shut every single one of these lions' mouth because I know the truth and I am the truth and I am the way and I am the life. God is for you even in the midst of those moments, even when you're surrounded by enemies, even when you're surrounded by lions, even when all of the voices and all of the roars are so loud and so deafening, God wants to speak over each and every one of those voices and let you know exactly who you are. Why? Because God is for you. God is for you. Let's jump into the next point, which is going off of 
the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, which is this, God is with you. God is with you. This is what it says within 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 13. It says, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountains, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by in a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why did, why did God do that? Because at the end of the day, God was going to be with Elijah no matter what. God was with Daniel before, during, and after the lion's den. God was with Elijah before, during, and after he got out of the cave. And I think so many times what this feels like when we're in our sunken place, when we're in our cave, when we're in these dark moments, it can feel like we are the only ones that are in it. It can feel like we're the only ones in this darkness, and it feels like that we're hopeless. It feels like it's never going to end. It feels like there's no solution. There's nothing that we can do about it other than just sit there and be there all alone. Can I just tell you really quick, the thing that the enemy wants to do the most is isolate you. And how crazy is it that when we find ourselves in these moments, we automatically choose to isolate ourselves from people who can actually help us. I'm sure we've all been there before. We have a moment, we're not going you know, in the right direction, we're having a tough time, and all of a sudden, we hit our friends with, I don't really feel like hanging out tonight. I, you know, I got some things going on. I, I just want to work on me really quick. I'm sure we've all seen the, the Instagram post before. Hey, I'm just going to work on me. If you don't hear from me, hey, the real ones know. Like, I'm out, all that stuff. Right? We all know what I'm talking about. In the midst of danger, in the midst of these attacks, how crazy is it that we would think to ourselves, you know what, the best thing for me to do is to get away from everybody and just work on myself all by myself. Isn't it crazy that when we're afraid, we think really irrationally? And I want to break that down within the story of 1 Kings 19, because Elijah before this point just had a crazy miracle with God on top of Mount Carmel. And I'm sure that we've heard the story before because Corey's preached on it, but if you haven't heard it, essentially what Elijah does is that he calls fire, literally. Like, like I imagine like a meteorite coming down from heaven, lights up this altar, and it was essentially a competition between gods to say, okay, if your God shows up, we're going to worship him. But if my God shows up, we're going to worship him instead. And so God totally shows up for Elijah, and Elijah prays that there will be fire that falls down from heaven. I don't know about you, but if you were to pray that fire fell down from heaven, 
I'm almost 99.9% certain that fire wouldn't actually fall down from heaven. Watch, all of you guys are going to be like, God, and I pray that a meteorite would hit my school in Jesus' name. Um, don't pray that way, please. Uh, that's not how Jesus told us to pray. So this moment that he has, right, a total miracle happens all because Elijah was faithful and he prayed that fire would fall down from heaven. And guess what? Fire actually fell down from heaven. And now, all of a sudden, Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah, and basically the guy is reading off a script saying, hey, this is what the queen of, the, the queen of Israel, this is what Jezebel wants you to know. Um, if by this time tomorrow, if you are not dead, then I pray that your God would kill me instead. So I'm coming after you, so you better be afraid. And then he walks away. Like, it would be one thing if Jezebel was there herself telling him that, and she had a huge army, but it was a message from somebody else. How many times do we find ourselves in a situation where we believe the message from somebody else? Oh, well, you know what that person said about you? Oh, well, dude, I was just overhearing what they said. Bro, you don't want to know what they said about you. You don't even know if it's true or not. You're getting your information from a third party? You're, you're afraid because you're getting your information from somebody who said something about you and now they're telling you about it? Elijah just called fire down from heaven. God showed up in a miraculous way and he's afraid because somebody said something about him? So what does Elijah do? He runs, but before he runs, he leaves his servant in Beersheba. He says, hey, you know, man, I know you've been faithful, you've been with me through a lot, but I'm gonna leave you here and I'm gonna go run away because I'm afraid. Wait, what? If somebody's after you, you know what you need? You need somebody to watch your back. Elijah did something irrational because he was afraid. Also, he just called fire from heaven. Who's to say that he couldn't call fire on Jezebel and then he wouldn't even have to worry about her? But he was afraid, and so he started to do things irrationally. And here's the thing. It says that he ran for 40 days and 40 nights. Jezebel said, if your God does not kill me by tomorrow, or if I don't kill you by tomorrow, then I pray that your God would kill me. Guess what? Tomorrow passed 39 days ago. And he's still running, and he's still afraid. Why? Because fear makes us do things that are irrational. They make us do things that don't really make any sense. They make us believe that we're all alone and that we just have to handle this by ourselves and nobody else. And it'll even get to the point where we believe that, well, God's not with me at all. God's not with me. He's not there for me. He's not with me within this moment. I'm all alone. Nobody's even here. I'm the only one that's going through this. God's not with me. But can I just tell you that that's a lie? God is with you. When you're in your sunken place, God is with you. When you are in your darkness, God is with you. Can I just tell you, God is not afraid of your darkness. Because Jesus is described as the light of the world. Why would light have to be afraid of darkness? Why would the light of the world have to be afraid of your sunken place or of your struggle? God is with you in the midst of those moments. And I want to I illustrate that really quick. Here's, so let's imagine this whole stage is like a cave, right? It's your sunken place. And I'm going to act like, God, please do not shoot me down. I'm going to illustrate how God would be, okay? So this is your sunken place, and God is right here, right? I think this is what we believe, that God is just chilling. If you're on this side, I'm so sorry. That God is just chilling like right here like, dude, are you done? 
Are you, are, are you, are you good? Okay. Hey, whenever you're ready, you, you just tell me and, and, I'll, and I'll meet you right. Actually, no, I'm not even going to meet you where you are. You know where I am. I'm right outside of your cave. I'm right outside of your sunken place. You just meet up with me and let me know whenever you're good and I'll just be right here. Oh, dude, I really want to use you. I really want to be there for you, but I can't use you. I can't love you. I can't be with you because you're having a moment. You're having an episode. And I get it. I'm, I'm just going to be right here, though. You just let me know. I'll pencil you in in my calendar. I'll let you know. Imagine if God had a calendar. And he was like, I'll get back to you on that really quick. Um, but in reality, I think this is how we illustrate who God is in our life. That God is just waiting for us to get right before we can be with him again. And we think to ourselves that, well, God's not with me because I'm just going through this right now. Well, I'm all alone in this moment because, you know, I brought myself here, so I deserve to be here all by myself. Well, you know, God really doesn't care about me. He's not really there for me. He's not really with me because if he was with me, then I wouldn't be going through this right now. And we feel all of these emotions because we've isolated ourselves and we believe that we've isolated ourselves so much that God doesn't want to be with us anymore or that God's afraid of our darkness, or God's afraid of our struggle, or God's afraid of our sunken place. But can I just remind you really quick that God sent Jesus down from heaven, heaven which is a perfect place, heaven which is amazing, there's no more weeping, there's no more crying, it is, it is utterly perfect. God sent Jesus down from heaven, which is perfect, to a broken, hurting, dark world because he wanted to be with you so much. That God would say, I'm going to send my only son. God, doesn't, God, God wasn't like, hey, I have three sons, I guess I'll send out you know, the oldest, or I guess I'll send out the middle child. Sorry, any middle childs out there. But we almost think of it like that, right? Like, well, God really doesn't want to be with me within this moment, right? Or we think to ourselves, I have to get right before God can use me. I have to be perfect. I have to get through this episode in order for me to get close to God again. But can I just let you know that is such a lie from the enemy? Because what the enemy is, is that it says that he is like a lion who is prowling around looking to which whom, whom he may devour, you know what lions try to do when they hunt? They try to isolate their prey. They try to isolate that gazelle. They try to isolate that water buffalo. They try to isolate that zebra because they're all by themselves. They're the easiest target. Can I just let you know, you are making yourself an easy target when you choose to isolate yourself from people who are in your life. You are making yourself an easy target for the enemy because you think to yourself, well, it's better off that I'm alone. Can I tell you, it's the worst thing that you can do within those moments is be alone. But you're not alone because God is with you. In fact, it even says in Joshua 1.9, it says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God, your God, not just your neighbor's God, not just the person sitting right next to you. Your God is with you wherever you go. You know what the two things that the enemy wants to do? He wants to make you afraid or he wants to make you discouraged. Because if he can make you afraid, you're not going to go and do God's calling. And if he can discourage you while you're doing God's calling, you're going to want to go back and do whatever it is that you were doing before. 
But God says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Stay strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, yeah, that means that God is with you when you're in your cave. That means that God is with you when you're in your sunken place. That means that God is not just standing outside of here saying, okay, I'm just going to wait for you to get right, and then I'll enter it. No, God says, I want to be with you in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, because I died on a cross to be with you. I took your punishment so that the separation that was once there, there's now a bridge, and I'm able to cross it to meet you. God is not saying, hey, come out and meet me outside of here. God says, I'm going to step inside of your cave. I'm going to step inside of your sunken place. I'm going to let every single one of those lions, I'm going to let every single one of those enemy figures inside of your cave know that the light of the world is stepping into the situation. I want to let every single one of those things that's going on inside of your mind to know that you are not theirs. Because God is with you when you're in your cave. And that's a simple truth, but it's so easy for us to think, I'm all alone, I'm all by myself, woe is me, what did I do, how did I get myself here? Guess what, you're not the only one there because God is with you. You're not the only one going through it because God is with you, and he's with you when you're in the midst of those moments, amen? I want to go over the last point with us tonight as I do the band can, the band can head on up. So we talked about those, those two truths, we talk about how God is for you, Talk about how God is with you, and then we're going to be talking about how God is empowering you. God is empowering you. Believe it or not, God empowered Daniel and Elijah to get out of their cave. He empowered them to get out of their darkness. And there's three things that God does in order to empower us while we're in the midst of our sunken place. The very first thing that God does is through his word. God empowers us through his word. In the book of 1 Kings, it talks about how God tells Elijah, hey, I'm going to pass by the mountain, and when I pass by, you're going to know. So just, just be ready to go. So it says that there was a windstorm. It says that there was a massive, a massive wind that, that, that went right in front of the cave, and I imagine it almost like swooped in and you know, disrupted everything inside of the cave. But it says that God was not in the windstorm. There was an earthquake. It was loud. It was disruptive. There was rocks falling everywhere, but he was not in the earthquake. So that there was a fire that went right in front of the cave, right? I almost imagine the heat coming inside of the cave where Elijah was, but he wasn't in there. And all of a sudden, through all of those loud noises, through all of those things that were happening, through all of the chaos, the way that God shows that, uh, the way that God shows Elijah that he's there is through a still and gentle whisper. If I were to try to whisper to you right now, did you hear me? Yeah, you said I love you. Um, <laughs> the reason why you couldn't hear me is because I wasn't close enough to you. The reason why you couldn't hear me whisper is because I wasn't right next to you. A way that God wants to empower you when you're in the midst of your sunken place is that he wants to speak to you. A way that God wants to cut through all of the noise, all of the chaos, all of the lies is that he wants to have a still and gentle whisper. 
Isn't it crazy that so many times when we're in the midst of like a chaotic moment, right? It could be a moment where there's a lot of family members, there's a lot of drama happening. There's so much going on around us that isn't it crazy that when you have somebody with you who's just calm and still and peaceful, how much comfort that brings to think that, okay, you're not freaking out. You're not you know, chaotic, you're not going crazy. I, I just feel so much better. I feel like that's what God is like when we're in the midst of our sunken place. When everything is loud and all of these lies want to tell you exactly who you aren't, all of a sudden God just comes, dude, did you know? <laughs> that was perfect. Um, all of a sudden God wants to come by you and say, hey, don't listen to them. Hey, that's not true. Yeah, they, those, those voices, they might be loud, they might be disruptive, they might be chaotic, they might be trying to grab your attention, but I'm, but I'm right here with you. I'm right there. I love you. There's a plan, there's a purpose for your life. There is something that I wanna do inside of your life. The, the interesting thing is that, is that God tells Elijah when he's in the cave, he says, what are you doing here? As if to say, you don't belong here. Not in a bad way, but in a way to say, Elijah, I have called you to so much more. What are you doing here? Why are you in this cave? Why are you hiding right now? Why are you afraid? I'm with you, I'm there for you. And I feel like for some of you, God has to ask you, what are you doing here? Because there's so much more that I wanna do inside of your life. There's so much more that I wanna that I wanna do through you and in you. There's such a purpose and a plan for your life. You are loved, you are supportive, uh, th th you are chosen, you're a, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a child of mine. What, what are you doing here? But God has to be close to us. And I think a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, God's just so far away. I haven't talked to him in so long. I haven't, I haven't been close to him in so long. Maybe tonight is the night that you can draw close to God for him to whisper to you his truth and his peace and his stillness. So God empowers us through his word or through his voice. The next thing that God does is that he empowers us through his word, the literal word of God. It talks about within Daniel Chapter six, verse 22, like I said, that, that God sent an angel down to shut the mouth of every single one of the lions. He shut them so that they wouldn't devour Daniel by the, by the morning time. And the way that God wants to shut the mouths of the lions is by empowering us through his word. Because the way that you fight lies is by having truth. You can't fight lies with more lies. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody who just keeps on going back at you and saying, you did this, you did that. And you're like, what are you talking about? That wasn't me. What's the last thing that you wanna do? You, the last thing that you wanna do is just throw more oil on it and just start lying about them. The only thing that you can do when you are in the midst of those moments, when those lies are spouting at, out at you is by having the truth with you. Can I just let you know, this right here, the word of God, this Bible, it might be, just a book to you, it might just be some paper, but this is a sword. This is a weapon. This is the thing that you need in order to fight off the lies of the enemy. The next time that the devil tries to tell you who you aren't, you gotta remind him of who you are. 
the next time that the enemy wants to let you know of all the failures, of all of the mistakes, of all the things that you've done, you gotta let him know about the future that God has for you. You gotta fight back the enemy's lies with God's truth. You gotta get courageous. You gotta be able to memorize scripture so that you can have something on deck to say, you know what? I'm not a failure. You know what? I'm not a mistake. Because last time I checked, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm not a loner. Last time I checked, I have a family in God. Last time I checked, Jesus died on a cross for me. The next time that the enemy wants to let you know that you are unlovable, you gotta remind him that God loved you so much that he was sending Jesus down on a cross to die for your sins. The next time that the enemy wants to remind you of, of your past, you gotta remind him of his future. Saying, hey, I'm already victorious. I, I, I don't know if you've already read it or not, but I already have the victory. I'm not defeated. I have victory in Christ. And the only way that God's gonna empower you through his word is if you get in to his word. It would be sick if it just opened right up perfectly. But I want to encourage you, if you find yourself in your sunken place, find God's word. If you find yourself in your darkest moments, find the truth of God through his word. Because this is 100% true. There's no contradictions no matter what anybody tells you. This is your weapon. This is your sword. Fight against the lies of the enemy by telling the devil exactly what is in God's word. The next thing that God does through empowering us is that he empowers us through his people. It's interesting because throughout the stories of Daniel and Elijah is that there was somebody who came down and who basically got Daniel out of his den. And it was this guy who was named King Darius. So Darius went and got Elijah out of his den. The story about Elijah in 1 Kings is that after God and Elijah have this conversation. God tells him, hey, I want you to go to this town, look for this person, his name is Elisha, and you are gonna team up with him. You're gonna mentor him, you're gonna teach him all the things that I've taught you, and he's gonna be like your apprentice. So within that moment, God sent somebody to Daniel to get him out of his den, and then, some, and then God sent Elijah to somebody. Who is God sending your way and who is God sending you to? Because when we self-isolate ourselves, when we find ourselves within our sunken place, again, it's so easy for us to think, I have to be by myself. I can't talk to any about it, anybody about this. It's, it's difficult to talk about. It's not fun to talk about. I don't wanna you know, talk about this anymore. Can I just encourage you? Maybe tonight's the night that you find a leader who you trust, who you connect with, and you just let them know, hey, this is what I've been going through. Hey, this is my cave. This is my sunken place. And now all of a sudden, you have somebody who's going to support you. You have somebody who's going to pray with you. You have somebody on your side who's got your back through those moments. But God just doesn't want to send people your way. God also wants to send you to somebody also. So who is God sending you to? So many times we think to ourselves, man, if only I had better friends. Man, if only I had people in my life who supported me. Man, if only I had people in my life who loved me. But here's the question, are you doing that to other people? Because we wanna pray, God, send the right people my way. God, send the people who love me. God, send the people who have my back. But whose back do you have? Who are you supporting? Who are you loving? 
Who are you encouraging? Who are you speaking God's truth over? So who are, who is God sending you to and who is God sending your way? Because you need people in those moments. You need people within those times. Because it's so difficult for you to go through those seasons and for you to go through those moments when it's just you all by yourself trying to get through it. It's not gonna work. You're gonna fail. Can I just tell you really quick the truth of that? You are going to fail. As somebody who has failed myself, you are going to fail if you try to do it by yourself. Find somebody tonight, find a leader tonight who you can have a conversation with and talk to about these things with. You know, as I, uh, as I conclude, before we get into response time, before we get into worship, it's interesting because when we go through the Bible, going into the New Testament, it says that Jesus was born in a manger. And historians and theologians believe that the place that Jesus was born in wasn't just in a barn out in the middle of nowhere, right? It was out in the open, but actually they believe that this barn, this manger was actually in a cave. Because a cave is a natural, it, it, it's like a natural shelter, right? People go and hide in caves. People go and isolate themselves in caves because again, there's one entrance and there's one exit. So a lot of times what these farmers would do is that they would put their barns and they would put these shelters inside of caves. And it's so interesting that the light of the world, Jesus Christ was born in darkness, was born in a cave, was born within the side of a mountain, that he was born within those situations and, and, and in those sort of struggles. Because in that time, it was not a perfect picture. It was not how we see today where like the, like the pigs and the cows have halos, right? During like the nativity scene. It was, not a, it was not a fun, peaceful moment. God was born into that sort of situation. And I believe that when we find ourselves within our sunken place, when we find ourselves within the midst of our darkness, God wants to meet you right where you are. And for some of you tonight, you're like, man, I, I really can't do this on my own. Man, I really cannot go through this moment on my own. I've just been listening to these lies this whole time. And I believe that tonight, there was a moment that God spoke to you and said, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. Because Jesus died on a cross, took your punishment, took your shame, took your guilt, so that he can be with you in the midst of your cave. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, within this moment right now, maybe you're here tonight and you're like, God, I need you. God, I've been trying to go through this moment and through this sunken place all alone this whole time. But God, tonight's the night that I surrender to you. God, tonight is the night that I come to you. I ask you to meet me right where I am. Maybe tonight's the night where you, where you give God your heart and you just say, Jesus, it's all yours. You invite Jesus into your space. You invite Jesus into this moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to accept Jesus into your heart, maybe this is for the first time, maybe this is a rededication, whatever it may be, but you recognize that I need Jesus in my life and in this moment. If that's you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna count down to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand. Just as a symbol of saying, God, I need you. One, two, three. If that's you tonight, would you just raise your hand? Amen, amen, amen. You guys can put your hands down. Here at Bridge Youth, we pray as a family 
So for everybody who just rose their hand or for everybody who has not yet raised their hand, I want you to repeat these words after me all across this room. Repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. And yet in my darkest moment, I need you and I believe in you. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, that God rose you from the dead and I accept you as my savior. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life and from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's make some noise for everybody who accepted Jesus into their life. So good. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe as a rededication, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, what's next for me? We have a tool for you guys called the Next Seven Days. For everybody who just prayed that prayer, you can DM us on Instagram, bridge, Y-T-H, underscore, just DM us next seven days, and we will give you that resource, and we'll connect you with a connect group and with a great community here at Bridge Youth. Let's make some more noise for all the people who accepted Jesus. Hey, and as we do that, I want to invite each and every one of you to come on up to the front as we get ready for this time of worship. You know, as we talk about God empowering us through his people, right? God sending us to somebody, God sending somebody to us. I want to share a story about how I went whitewater rafting for the very first time. And I was speaking at a camp in Idaho and one of the activities that they did on a Thursday was they went whitewater rafting. And I was stoked, but I was also very nervous because I've never been before. And so, of course, me being from California, everybody else was from Idaho. They were all like, okay, like, let's see how, let's see how Wyatt does on this raft as we go through these rapids. So we get all suited up, we get into our rafts. And one of the first things that I asked was, how do I not fall off of this raft? Because as we go through these rapids, these things are crazy. Like, if, if you've ever seen videos of these people going through it, you might think to yourself, like, oh, that looks easy. But when you're actually in it, bro, it's a whole nother world. So I'm asking these people, okay, how do I not fall out of this boat? And the way that it's laid out is that each boat has about, like, six or eight people all on the sides. And then there's somebody that's in the back, in the middle, who is essentially, like, commanding everything. And what they told me was that when you're rowing through the rapids, everybody has to row at the same time and at the same pace. Because if somebody doesn't row and they're off or there's something that's happening, the rapid can literally take your boat and start moving it for you. You'll start going in the direction of however the water is tilting or, or ripping or whatever it may be. If one side doesn't row, that whole side is just going for a loop at that point. Because if you're not all rowing at the exact same time, the rapid can basically dictate where your boat is gonna go. And that's how people fall off. And that's how people have their boats flipped and injuries happen and all these things. So I'm thinking, okay, I gotta row with everybody. And I remember afterwards, I was just thinking to myself and I jot this down. And I felt like God was telling me that that's how going through anxiety is like. That's what going through mental health is like. It's like going through a rapid 
and the rapid is dictating how your boat or how your life is going to go. And it's whipping you around and it's changing directions when you don't want it to and it's just taking you for a spin. And I wonder how many of us have just been rowing by ourselves through those moments. And we've been trying to use our own strength. We've been trying to use our own ability to get through this attack, to get through these moments. And our life has been turning upside down, has been whipping back and forth, and it's been going in directions that we don't want it to go in because we've been rowing by ourselves. I feel like for some of you, you have to know that it's time to stop rowing alone. Tonight is the night that you find some people. Tonight is the night that you find a leader to row alongside you. Somebody who's been through those rapids before. Somebody who's been through those moments before to help you get through it. Somebody who's able to sit right next to you and say, I got you. I'm going to row with you. I'm going to paddle with you. Because for some of you, you have been exhausted. You have been tired. You have been thinking about quitting so many times because it's just been you in your life or in your raft trying to get through this rapid all by yourself. And you're thinking to yourself, man, I can't do this anymore. I'm sick and tired of this. I don't want to have to go through these moments again. But tonight is the night that you find somebody who's going to row alongside you. Tonight is the night that you find somebody who's going to say, yep, I got your back. Yep, I'm right there with you. If you need me, call me. If you need me, text me. And I will row alongside you through those moments. I got your back. Because for some of you, you've been trying to do it for way too long. And then you wonder why it's not getting any better, why nothing seems to be working. It's because you've been rowing all by yourself and God wants you to find somebody to row alongside you. So right now within this moment, I, I want us to close our eyes again. And the reason why I wanna do that is because for some of you, you've been rowing by yourself. For some of you, you've been going through this rapid of anxiety or depression or insecurity or self-image or whatever it may be, whatever it is that's on your mind right now, whatever your cave is, you've been going through that for so long and you just need somebody to stand right beside you and support you. And so tonight, what we're going to do right now within this moment is that if that's you, if you've been going through those moments, if you've been going through those caves, if you've been finding yourself time and time again, whether it's recent or whether it's been a while, you've been finding yourselves within those dark moments, I want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to have the boldness to raise your hand right now. Okay. Now what I want us to do, I want you to keep your hands up. People who are around them, I want you to pray for them. I want you to put your hand on them. I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. I do not want a single student, a single person in this room with their hand up to not have somebody who's gonna stand right beside them. Come on, find somebody, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Could we get some, could we get some girl leaders over here possibly? Like I said, we're not gonna we're not gonna move forward until you don't even have to be a leader. If you're a student and if you see somebody with their hands up. Okay. Now what we're gonna do is that I'm gonna pray. But if you got your hand on somebody's shoulder, I want you to pray even louder. I want you to pray what it is that God puts on your heart. 
I want you to pray as a community, as a brotherhood, as a sisterhood, as a, as a family in Christ. Because whether you know it or not, we may not look the same, we, might, we may not have the same blood or the same DNA, but we are all children in God's family. So we're gonna fight for our family members. We're gonna fight for our brothers. We're gonna fight for our sisters. We're gonna fight for those around us. Why? Because God also died for them so that we can fight on their behalf. Because it's time that people stop rolling alone. It's time that people stop going throughout life thinking that they're all alone, thinking that it's just them going through it. It's time that we fight alongside our brothers and our sisters. So right now, just begin to pray. Just begin to pray for your brothers. Begin to pray for your sisters. Begin to pray the truth of God over their life. Begin to pray words of encouragement, words of truth. Whatever it is that God is dropping on your heart, I want you to pray that over their life. God, you know every single student. God, you know every single person. You know every single situation, God. Lord, I pray against any sort of distractions happening right now inside of this moment, God, for us to focus on you, for us to rely on your truth, Lord. God, I pray your blessing. I pray your love. I pray your forgiveness. I pray your grace over each and every one of these students tonight, God, that tonight is the night that breakthrough is going to happen, that tonight is the night that you come through on their behalf, that tonight is the night that you remind them about who they are in you, that tonight is the night that you remind them that no matter what it is that they're going through, that you are right there, right beside them, Lord. God, we pray that you would shut the mouths of every single one of the lions inside of their dens tonight, Lord. God, I pray that as they're going throughout life in the rapids of anxiety, in the rapids of self-image or insecurity, God, that you would be the one who is propelling their raft, that you would be the one who is supporting them, God, and that they would not be rowing alone, but that they would have a brother or sister in Christ right there ready to row alongside them because you love them, because you support them, because you created them because you know the plans in the future that you have for their lives God because you know exactly what it is that you want to do inside of their life Jesus I pray that you would send anxiety back to hell in the name of Jesus God we pray against depression right now in the name of Jesus God that you would heal students who are going through issues with their self-image or with their self-confidence, that the lies and the words and the moments that they have had inside of their life that has been haunting them, Lord, I pray that you would erase that right from their memory right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would support them, that you would have a miracle happen over their life, Lord, that you would be the one who speaks your truth and your light and your freshness and your love over their situation, God, that as we support each and every one of them, Jesus, that you would be the one is ultimately commanding your presence and your miracle over their lives, God. God, you are the healer. You are the way maker, God. You are the one who is able to do above and beyond what we may ask for or even imagine, Lord. God, we love you and we thank you. Continue to pray. 